Welcome back to another episode of Encouraged to Encourage. I am your host, Pastor Lakia, and as always, I'm excited to be here and to share with you today and each time I'm able to share with you. Today's message is still, we're still in coming from my book, Memoirs of a Soldier, From the U.S. Army to the Army of the Lord. And today's topic is called Train for Change, Life Outside the Church House. Amen. So already we can tell that this title alone suggests that there are some things that we're supposed to be doing or should be doing when we leave church. Whether you are one who attends church multiple times a week like I do, I go to Wednesday night Bible study. I have several different leadership classes that I go to. And then Sunday and on at my church, we have two services on Sunday. So again, we're talking about training for change though, and the purpose and kind of why we go to church and what we should be doing when we leave the church house. So the supporting scripture or the key scripture for this message is found in Hebrews chapter five, verses 14. And I'm going to read this out of the Christian standard Bible. It says, but solid food is for the mature whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. And so as someone who's been in the military, I've, I've already shared that, but in the military, the primary focus is to train. And during non-war time and wartime, the emphasis is always on training and then utilizing the skills that you've been trained to do doing the things right that the military has trained you to do whether that's your job whether that's how to fight whether that's how to fire your weapon all of the training the purpose in training is to be able to use it one day so as a reservist in the army prior to going to war i only had to train one week in a month you may have heard it as weekend warriors, but that's okay. I was proud to be a weekend warrior. And then two weeks out of the year. Outside of that, I lived my personal life on my regular job, taking care of my children and going to church every week. Again, I was a weekend warrior until I got called to go into the active army or active duty. So I went from the reserve and then I received orders that said, okay, we no longer want you to just come one weekend. We want you to do this every day for a set amount of time. So since I had only been going part-time, there was a level of training that I had to go through to prepare me to transition to active duty life. Units know that. So when you're in the reserve and your unit gets put on active orders, or you could decide to go from reserve and say, okay, I want to go full time. They already know that there's a level of training that's going to have to take place. Right. And so I went to what's called a mobilization station, which was to determine if soldiers, first of all, were even qualified to go to war. So that just means that they did tests. You had to do physical tests, mental tests, medical tests in order to determine if you were physically fit in order to determine if you're mentally fit, right? And so, um, and then that's also the mobilization site where you make sure you have your affairs in order and then they, they train you, right? So I went from one weekend a month train to training seven days a week. Now we hardly got days off or much free time. 
We had classes multiple times a day about the basics of being a soldier, physical training, and combat training. So already, as I've already mentioned, as it relates to just service times, right? I already said I go to you know, Wednesday service. I do several different classes. There's multiple service on Sunday. As a soldier, I also had to do that, right? I had to attend these classes multiple times a day. And so again, the part of the intent of memoir, memoirs of a soldier from the U.S. Army to the Army of the Lord is because my natural life and my spiritual life have so many parallels, right? The Army of the Lord and then the U.S. Army. And so I just like to acknowledge that um, because it it's just a way for this word and for my spiritual walk to kind of parallel with things that I've done in my natural life. So we were training to go into our enemy's camp. I know I say that a lot, but again, it's just so parallel. So we had to prepare, prepare to go to war, prepare to do things that I was only doing one, one week in a month to being able to do every day. And the other point I want to make is one week in a month in the reserve, we may have gone to the range or the shooting range where we even practice firing our weapons once a year versus now I was going to be expected to have this weapon with me daily and be prepared to use it should I need to. So that's the other thing. So once it was determined that we were prepared to go to war, right? So me individually and then collectively as a unit, we also had to prepare, right? So once they determined, okay, you're prepared, we got on a flight, we left the United States and we flew initially to Kuwait. Kuwait was where we kind of started. There was already a base set up there. Um, the military already has that there. So now there was an army base, like I said, already there. And we continued to train there. So when we left the U.S., we went to Kuwait, we continued to train because now we're on a whole nother territory. And again, there's new training that needs to take place. Now we had to add in being in a whole nother country, interacting with the people who already live there because on a military base, it wasn't just military. There were also we called them Iraqis, we called them Kuwaitis, depending on where you were, but there were people who already lived there that were contractors that would come and work on the base. So again, there's another level of training that we had to that had to take place once we got there. It was there that I had to be trained on how to drive the trucks that I would be driving once the war started. The trucks that I was driving prior in my unit one week in a month were not even the same vehicles that the unit who I was deployed with even utilized. So already there's two different trucks and there's a new truck that I have to learn how to drive and learning how to drive it and operate it, not just being able to get in and drive it, but being able to actually operate. What I drove was a fuel truck. So being able to operate that and learn how to get the fuel out and get the fuel in just in a more basic term. Right? So, we trained for almost two months before the war actually started, and then it was time to go into Iraq. Once we got into Iraq, the training was over, and it was time to do what we had been trained to do. I had to drive daily for hours just to get to a place to drop off fuel and, or to receive fuel, then drive hours to get to camp. That camp could have been back to the camp that I started or go and set up at a new camp. Now, within the mission, still had to eat. You still had to somewhat bathe. 
And I say somewhat bathed because initially when we got over there, there into Iraq, there were no bases there established, right? We went into their territory, so we had to set up. So that just means the traditional showers that you and I are used to, those didn't exist. So in some cases, y'all, in a it, shower was baby wipes. Shower was taking some bottled water, a bucket, and washing up the best you could. Eventually, showers looked like somebody making a little temporary shower. Uh, and then eventually, as things progressed, we made our way back to traditional showers. But I just wanted to give y'all a visual of that. So within the mission, we had I had to eat, I had to bathe, I had to make sure my truck was functioning. We've talked about that in another message, that PMCS. And then that my weapon was clean, right? In Iraq, there's a lot of desert, a lot of dirt, right? And so keeping your weapon clean, making sure it's ready to go so that in the event that you need to use it, I was able to. I didn't have to use it though, y'all. Let me just put that in there. And thank God I did not have to actually use it. Now, during this time, I did not get to see or talk to my family. Of course, I didn't get to see them. I was in a whole nother country. At that time, there were no video chats and things like that. This is years ago. So there was really no way for me to see them. And, and at the time, I couldn't physically talk to them either, even though phone worked, but we just weren't in a position initially where we were even able to use the phone. So all we had was mail, but the mail was delayed. So I didn't even get my first letter until after being at war almost two months. So remember, we got to Kuwait. We were there for a little bit and then going into Iraq. So two months after going into Iraq, once I got to make phone calls, it was only designated times that we could call. So I couldn't just call whenever I felt like it. But the lines were so long, most of the time it wasn't even worth it for me to stand in these long. You stood in line to use the phone longer than the amount of time that you even had to talk on it. So it just wasn't worth it for me at times. So I just trusted that my family was okay and that they were not worried about me. Of course they were worried about me, but the prayer was just that they wouldn't worry themselves sick about me. I couldn't be worried or distracted with the cares of the world because I had a job to do. And when you have the soldier mindset, you have a job to do. Whatever that job was for me, I, you, you couldn't be worried about what your family's doing and all of the things that you wish you were doing because you had to stay focused on the mission. And so we ha I had a purpose to fulfill, a job to do, right? So even now, there are times when I have to block everyone and everything out so that I can focus on God. Sometimes that looks like waking up hours before my family gets up in order to pray, in order to read my Bible, in order to be able to even do this. That's being able to separate myself, right? To block out that time. And you need time to be able to focus on God and living a saved life. What is God's purpose for your life? Do you know? If you know, then focus on doing that. That's the purpose. That's the mission, right? But if you don't, then continue to seek God until you are clear and you know what your purpose is. Now, I've heard people say, if you don't know what your purpose is, the purpose God has for us is to share the gospel. So whatever I need to do in order to just line up with that, that's your purpose. Purpose, to live a saved life, to live according to the word, to live according to what you believe Jesus died on the cross for. That's another way to look at it. 
Why do you believe Jesus died on the cross? And make that your purpose for what you do and how you do it. Amen. Stages to our Christian walk and throughout our journey. We have to know what stage we're in and what we should be doing in each stage. The salvation stage is the beginning. When I was newly saved, the only scripture I knew was the one I got saved on. So I believed and I lived it. That scripture was John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's all I knew. So I quoted it. I prayed it. And when I was praying, I said, God, for you so love the world, right? Whatever I had to do, that was the only scripture I knew. And that was the scripture that I prayed and what I purposed to kind of live by while I was over there as a newly saved Christian. I also had a basic understanding that the reason that I knew I was saved was because I confessed and I believed in Jesus Christ. In Romans 10 and 9, it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So I did that. I had an understanding of that. I believe that. And you've got to know and believe why you're saved. If you have acknowledged that you're saved, then you need to understand and you need to know John 3, 16, and then Romans 10 and 9. I also knew that I had to confess or that I confessed that I was a sinner and to ask for God to forgive me, right? And so when I would fall short, newly saved, I would repent, I would pray, I would ask God to forgive me and the intent would be to not do it again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1 and 9. Now, once I joined a church, I had joined a church after. So after deployment, you know, at the time of deployment, I was going to a church when I lived in California. Again, newly saved, didn't know a whole lot about what I was really supposed to be doing. And then again, I got deployed. So now it was gone. But then fast forward now, I joined a church in 2005. And after joining that church, I learned that it was more that I was supposed to be doing to maintain my salvation and that I and what I should be doing to grow. So and we're still talking about the salvation stage. And again, in that salvation stage, you're initially saved. You've confessed, you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. Maybe by this time you've been baptized, but there's more things that we need to do. And prayerfully, you're at a church or you're already connected to a church that's already prepared you for life outside the church house. When you leave church on Sunday, Wednesday, or any other service, that you know what you should do. If not, the intent of this message is to help you get there. Amen. So it says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and the faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment and God permitting, we will do so. That's Hebrews 6, 1 and 3. This is when we're developing and establishing our walk, doing things like Bible reading, reading your Bible, meditating, memorizing scriptures, praying, praise, worship, all of these things during the salvation stage outside of going to church that we should be doing. See, the enemy comes for the babies, the weak ones who don't know. 
That is why newly saved, you have to purpose to learn as much as you can. Throughout the Bible, every time Jesus encountered the enemy, he used the word. A time comes when we have to get past the baby stuff and move into maturity, right? We can't just be okay with, oh, okay, I came to church, but then not purposing to do anything when you leave. We want to grow up. So as you grow up, right, you continue to grow. And as you grow, you continue to go up, meaning you get stronger, you get more developed, you learn more scriptures, and you're better able to fight the enemy. Now, the next stage is the righteousness stage. Now, righteousness is an attribute of God, which signifies his holiness, sinlessness, and justice. Righteousness also means the quality of being morally right or justifiable. And I just want to interject here, right, that as Christians, we want to go beyond moral. There are a lot of moral people that have never accepted Jesus Christ into their heart. There are a lot of moral people that just do the right thing because they just believe in the right thing, but they don't believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So yes, it is to be morally right, but we want to make sure, again, that we just don't stop at being morally right. How we live on a daily basis should be by pursuing the interests of God's righteous kingdom. When we pursue the interest, that means we're pursuing the things that line up with God and the word, Jesus's life and what he died for. Righteousness directs the way of the perfect, perfect meaning mature, and delivers them, causing them to flourish as a branch. So it's that righteousness, right? It's that purposing to be morally right or justifiably right that causes us to continue to flourish and grow. That comes from Proverbs 11 verses 5 through 6. And verse 28, it also, the scripture also says in Proverbs 12, 5 and 28, the thoughts of the righteous are right and righteousness brings them life. It's righteousness that brings us the life that we live in Christ Jesus. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's James 5 and 16. So being righteous also has an effect on our prayers. During this stage, our everyday life, walk, and actions should display characteristics of Christ, such as holiness, sinlessness, and justice that we already talked about was the definition of righteousness. The next stage is the training stage. So we need the Holy Spirit in order to maintain a life of holiness, sinlessness, and justice. So we need the Holy Spirit in order to be able to get, right? We get saved in order to understand righteousness. And then now it's time to train. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us. The Spirit comes upon us after we get saved. And then it lives in us. You have to believe that the Spirit is living inside of you. The wilderness is the training field and where we must become a fruitful field. Wilderness, right? When we think about the wilderness, the children of Israel spent 40 years, right? It's something that was just supposed to take days. They spent years in the wilderness, right? That wilderness was that training ground to the intent. Well, the intent was not for them to stay that long. We know that, but there was things that they had to learn and had to be developed in order to go into the promised land um, in the training stage and in the wilderness stage. Your wilderness stage could be, and you could have several different wilderness stages, right? Um, it's 
when you newly get saved, you go through a wilderness period because again, the enemy's trying to fight you. The enemy's trying to keep you from learning more. The enemy wants you to go back and get back on his team. So he fights harder. And again, you're trying to maneuver through this new life. And so it, it's often sometimes referred to as that wilderness stage. Sometimes the wilderness stage is based on decisions that you made. You made choices and there's consequences for those choices. Consequences are good or bad, but there's decisions and choices that you made. And so you go through a wilderness stage of trying to trust and believe God to find your way out of those mistakes that you may have made. Our desert should become a fertile field to be developed and to teach us how to live saved and righteous in the world. We're talking about training for change, living outside of the church house. We have to live in this world. We're in the world, right? We're not of it but we're in it. So when you're in the world, you got to know how to live and function in the world. That doesn't mean we do and say what the world does, but you still have to be able to interact with the world. And that's what this training stage is all about. The things we learn in church are so that our field or our life can become fruitful and be counted as a forest, right? The forest just signifies multiple trees. There's multiple grass when you think about a forest versus when if depending on if you're just in a backyard if you're just looking at a tree right there's a difference between the forest and so that's what we want to train for we want to become fruitful isaiah 32 and 16 says then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field judgment comes from god people such as leaders teachers employers people telling us what to do and where right people telling us what to do and what we're doing wrong what not to do this is the time god deals with our deep-rooted issues such as abandonment rejection low self-esteem issues why because it's the training we've got to be trained right in order to deal with it you got to deal with if you have abandonment issues whether that come whatever those abandonment whatever the root of that comes from you got to train yourself to be able to deal with that by being delivered right praying and asking god to deliver you like i said reading the scriptures that allow you to be able to know and deal with no longer feeling like you were abandoned the rejection being able to deal with rejection and know that God has already, Jesus accepted you. God has already accepted you. Low self-esteem, right? In the training stage of being able to acknowledge if you suffer from depression, right? Count it all joy, find reasons to rejoice. Scriptures and the word of God, <clears throat> excuse me, gives us a way to deal with those things. In this stage, we discover who we are and our identity in Christ, not what the world says we should be, but what Christ tells us we should be. And that takes time for you to look those scriptures up and to find out what does the word say about who you are in Christ and how you identify at in Christ, right? So successful training in the wilderness will cause your righteousness to remain in you as a fruitful field. So you'll be able to better handle situations. You'll be, at, be able to fight the enemy, recognize the enemy's plots, ploys, and plans, and be able to go ahead and fight. And then lastly, the results of righteousness shall be peace and the effects of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. That's found in Isaiah 32 and 17. There should come a time when we're no longer fussing, fighting, being disobedient, or struggling with our identity, but we should be at peace and ready to move on and live outside of the wilderness 
and outside of that church building. We should have confidence forever with no backbiting, no backsliding, no falling back into the same sin. Now I emphasize falling back into the same sin because we all fall short, right? But the purpose in true repentance is to repent from that sin and sin no more. Turn away from that, right? Not continuing, but it takes maturity. It takes learning. It takes praying to be able to build yourself up to not keep falling back. Newly saved, and, and I'm going to just talk about me, that salvation stage when all I knew was John 3.16, I didn't have a full understanding. I thought that just meant to just, long as I repent, I'm good. But I was going back to the same sin of fornication and didn't understand why, right? Like, okay, what, what what's really causing this? In the sin of the fornication, having sex without being married, right? Looking for love for me. I'm just talking about me. Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? I kept going back to those same sins. And so again, we want to get to a place where we're not going back to those same sins. Amen. Working and maintaining our salvation should not be challenging, right? You get to a point where when you live outside, living on your own becomes peaceful. Peaceful doesn't mean that you don't have problems, y'all. Peace doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen. Peace just means that we know where our help comes from. Peace just means, again, that I'm not going to be moved by it. I'm just going to trust God. Amen. The cares of the world should not disturb us. When the storms of life come, we will be blessed, not allowing trouble, problems, etc., to cause us to live carelessly as if we have not been trained. And this train for change can apply in every area of your life. Whatever area you feel like you need to make a change, you've got to train for change. And so a lot of times um, I was taught years ago to not say try, but to say train, because the difference between try and train is that when you try, it's no commitment to it. It's just, oh, I'm going to try it. And if it don't feel right, or if I don't like it, I quit. But when you train for something, you're committing to continuing to do it. Think about athletes, right? They train to change in a sense of, I'm specifically thinking about runners, right? They're training to change that score, that time, so they can be faster and faster. And the more they work out, the more they train, the more they purpose to get faster and faster. So training for change. If I'm training for change, I, the intent is for me to be different. The intent is to make a difference in what I once was that I no longer want to be. Amen. And so I thank you all today. I thank you for tuning in. I want to encourage you as I encourage myself. Don't just try, but train for change and live a life outside of that church building. Be blessed, y'all. It's testimony time. Testimony time is about sharing where I've been, where I'm at, and where I'm going in Christ. We should always have something that we can testify concerning the goodness of the Lord. The goal is to do it in three to five minutes or less. Today, I would like to testify about the newness of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. 
Recently, I spent some time in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm originally born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. I, however, have been living in Texas for at least seven years. So as I was there in Las Vegas helping my mother um, just lay her husband to rest, I encountered people who had not seen me again, at least in seven years, but then some of those people hadn't seen me or spoken to me years prior to me ever moving to Texas. And so what I noticed right away is that they were still looking at me and expecting me to be the Kia they once knew years ago. But as they encountered me in my newness in Christ, not just not necessarily the newness of being saved, but being a new creation in Christ, I wasn't the same. My thoughts were not the same. My speech was not the same. My lifestyle was not the same as who they knew me to be. I was put in positions where they got a chance to see the newness in Christ, not about me, but in who Christ has changed me to be. And so where I was and where I am in this moment is celebrating the newness of Christ and being able to acknowledge that it was evident I was not who they remembered me to be. I at where I'm going and where I'm encouraging you to go in your newness, whether that's newly saved, whether just the newness that salvation brings, the newness of being in Christ is to make sure that you are living in your new life. Make sure that people are not still connecting you to who you used to be. Now, people are still going to try, but don't give them the reason. Don't give them the evidence that you're not walking in your newness, right? And so we want to continue to walk in the newness of being new in Christ, our new way of thinking, our new life, and our new actions that line up and should line up with the word of God that we say we believe, the word of God that we're preaching or teaching or that we're sharing with others. We need to make sure that we always reflect the newness of Christ. Do you enjoy listening to Encourage to Encourage podcasts? If you could do me a favor, share your favorite episode with two or three people. Make sure that you like, follow, subscribe, turn your notifications on. Help me reach as many people to hear this good gospel.